Well, 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 as Ben would say, here we are. Hello, Ed. Hello, John. How are you this evening? I'm very good, mate. It's great to see you. Thank you very much for coming along again to go down the rabbit hole with Ed the Techie. That's always fun coming on here. And, and of course, um, some of the people may never have seen your face before, and now they have. Right. <laughs> he is resplendent, yeah. resplendent in his beauty. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, just got, I just got sick of being freaking harassed about not doing video. I actually bloody hate... No, I mean, I have to mi- minimise all the windows, and I'm, there's no, I, I never watch the, the shows back again afterwards, yeah. so... People yeah. can just deal with it or not. Prefer the video than since 2023, I suppose. And video has well and truly killed the radio star. Yeah. So this is um, this is a this the Soha models that we're going to go into tonight is um, one that you've done you've done a lot of research into this previously um, before you became a man. <laughs> don't mean, don't read don't read anything into that 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 me oh, you know that you may think yeah, he was, was a man at any point. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I mean, as a, a Mercalo youth, I think that you, you were very interested in this, weren't you? Yeah, well, it was it was on because the murders happened in two thousand and two, and so it was just after nine eleven, and it was as I was. It was sort of the beginning point of of my sort of 10-year blogging career on uh, codshit.com. And one of the reasons that I chose this one is because I've actually still got um, some old material on the site, which is just not online anymore. Yeah. Um, And there's a very interesting chap called Joe Viles. Um, Joe, as in Joe. And Viles, which is V-I-A-L-L-S. And you don't see that name... As in like a vial of poison or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he was this mysterious character that popped up around late 2001. Mm -hmm. um, And he had this really simple website. And he used to post really fascinating stuff and really interesting takes on um, different world events, starting with 9-11 and stuff like that. And he... Uh I mean, there's all sorts of rumours about who he was. He he always wrote as if he was in Australia. Yeah. Um, but there are also rumours that he might have been connected to Israeli intelligence. Or, I mean, I, I did read one rumour that he was Ari Ben Menashe, who was, um, uh, he was in the Mossad. I think he might have been head of the Mossad, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So it's a very... Um, it's an, this is an interesting perspective because there's a few aspects to the Siam case which have always raised red flags for me. Yeah, and of course, um, of course, it, you didn't have as much time to research for this one as you would normally because it was your birthday last week. Yes, it was. It was my fiftieth birthday. Which uh, happy birthday, whole half century. Thank you very much. Yeah, I had a great weekend with my family, um, who I don't see very often. So it was it was really special. Um, and did you go out the to the Netherlands? No, they no. came. My my mom and my stepdad came to the UK. All oh, right, uh, okay, cool. My my sister in law arranged an absolutely swanky house in Kent, um, nice. and we just had a really nice weekend of eating and drinking and talking and eating and drinking and talking and stuff. Cool, that's um, cool. I got some. Yeah, no, it's really good. So Ben's, yeah, Ben's doing a lot had... of sucking up here. 
don't know what he's, I don't know if he's been drinking coke again because he <laughs> he said you look wonderful Ed right and then God. then he said you do not look fifty and I have spent the day with you just as well it was just the day and not the night huh well I take that as a compliment. <laughs> And I'd like to remind Ben that he's married as well. Yes, yes, yeah. So wind your neck in, Ben. <laughs> right. Oh, dear. So, um, Sorry, shall, without... shall we get on with without... it? What do you think? Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Let me just change my window so I can keep up with the slides. Um, my thinking is let's go through the official story just to remind people there may be people How... who don't know about um, the deaths of Holy Wells and Jessica Chapman. I just refreshed the slides um, in case you've changed the order, but the everything seems yeah, to be okay. The, uh, yeah, I added a few last minute, but right, not okay. much. How many? Um, how many do you reckon we have? Fourteen. Uh, slides. We've got. Yeah, there's not. There's not a huge number of slides yeah, because okay. when okay. you go hunting for pictures, it all gets very, very samey. And and mm. the, the the picture of the two girls in their uh, red football shirts was. I mean, it was plastered all over the news at the time. It was, the whole case had, um, there were aspects of it that felt very narrative-y. When you look back with with the mm -hmm. hindsight of having survived three years of Clown World in 2023, um, yeah. and you go back over old stories, there are things that you, you, you can just see where they're attempting to push the narrative. Um, but let's just run through the official story and then we can get into the war. Well, please do, because cause I'm not really up to speed on this one either. So um, this is more like true crime uh, than cryptids. It, yeah, oh. I mean, there's actually been a true crime episode about the Sohn murders. Yeah. Um, and there's been, I mean, untold in the years since they've had documentaries and they've had newspaper articles and interviews and the official um, explanation is that Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman were murdered by a man called Ian Huntley, who was a caretaker at their school, who was assisted by a woman called Maxine Carr, um, who was a, a teaching assistant, I think, or a supply teacher. No, I don't think she was the main teacher. I think she was a teaching assistant. Um, and, yeah, there's there's just aspects of it that, that are weird. Um, but the disappearance of the girls in August 2002 um just created massive speculation and everyone was really involved uh, it was like i said it was a true narrative event mm -hmm. um everyone was it, it was constantly on the news and first of all it was the disappearance and then the bodies were found um but it, it's the, the the first interesting thing is that the bodies were found near um, a U.S. Air Force base called so, RAF Lake, and we'll oh, get to the slides of that in a minute. So, um, so j just um, just to keep us up to speed on this, so when did this occur? Fourth of August, two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. Sorry, right? And um, and did they disappear from school, or did they, or what happened? Well, they they intended a barbecue, right? Um, okay, at at home, um, right? Uh, no, at uh, Holy Wells' parents' house, um, and that was in Soham in Cambridgeshire. And yep. after that, they just mysteriously vanished. Um, right. And there was a two-week search, media frenzy, uh -huh. um, 
and I mean, they had people out, they had dogs, they had search parties. Um, and unfortunately, it ended up with the, the chilling discoveries of two burnt bodies near RAF Lakenheath, which is a joint yeah. US-UK Air Force base. It's also, um, I don't know if it still is, but it was one of the US bases that hosted um, nuclear weapons yeah. on UK soil. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a big, big base. Yeah. Um, and if you pop up, let's just, like I said, we're going to jump yep. down the slides a little bit. Um, but if you just pop open slide nine, you can see just how close. Um, oh, yeah. So we're talking just outside the perimeter fence. Um, now, why would you? I mean, if, and I'm just, this is just me speculating because I know nothing about it. But if you were, if you were going to commit murder and dump bodies, why would you go so close to such a high security installation? Exactly. And why would you? Why would you dump them together? Yeah. But let's we're we're jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, yeah, give yeah. people a, a visual idea of um of what happened. Yeah. Um so the official the official story is that Ian Huntley, school caretaker, who was known to the girls, um, was later charged and he was charged and later convicted for the murders. Um Huntley's involvement presented in intricacies. There was aspects of it that were a bit odd. Um and now, his, they say that his guilt has been ascertained beyond reasonable doubt. But multiple theories pertain to his motives and actions still. Suspicion arose over his psychological makeup, with past suicide attempts and allegations of sexual misconduct casting long shadows on his behavioural characteristics. Despite this, Huntley managed to secure employment with the school and managed a relation and maintained a relationship with Maxine Carr, who's a teaching assistant at the same school. Um, and that, I mean, okay, so the guy has psychological issues, past suicide attempts, and allegations of sexual misconduct, and he somehow still gets a job in a school. Now, I think this is this is 2002, so uh, things techno technology-wise and... You still um, needed to be, you still needed to have some kind of clearance to work in a school, especially with children. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's just a bit bizarre. So the, the, the speculation has been rife about the proximity of the girl's final resting place to um, RAF Lakenheath, as we said. Yeah. Um, did Huntley act alone? Um, and if so, why choose such a high-risk disposal site? Um, which, bear in mind, this is, a, this is a U.S. Air Force base where they mm -hmm. have nuclear weapons and they yeah. have um, God knows what else. They might even have a freaking UFO, UFO or two in there. Don't know. Um, <laughs> Off the road making. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, and and I mean they have they have perimeter guards, they have watchtowers, they have sentries. It's an air force base, so you have a, a, a what is it called a control center, um, which is high up and has a very very good view of what's going on. Yep. Um, but we have to we do have to tread cautiously, and I do want to say that as far as the law is concerned, Huntley and Carr were guilty, and I'm not trying to call into question the legal system or the judge or the I'm not trying to upset any parents or anything like yeah, that. It's yeah. just it's it's just a bit of an investigation. And I'm trying to as with all the rabbit holes, I try and try and approach it um with respect to the yeah. victims and families and stuff like that, because um that's important. Um 
but there are still rumors of military cover-ups there's there's there were stories about secret ceremonies um and even the uh the old one of uh, child sex trafficking which wasn't mm-hmm. so much in the public consciousness then as it is now yeah um but those those trafficking rings have existed for a very long time. Well, um, Fred and Rosemary West, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there's no there's no evidence. There's no hard yeah. evidence to to substantiate any of that. Um, so there's theories about the the base's involvement, which we'll come back to in the in the Joe Viles account of things. Um, and simultaneously, the broader institutional responses have repeatedly been cast in a dubious light. Um, a few weeks into the investigation, Cambridgeshire Family Liaison Officer Detective Constable Brian Stevens uh-huh. appeared to un- uncover a new lead. Now, there's a slide for Brian Stevens. I remember this. Um, I and, and this is one of the first, one of the first bits of. Oh, sorry. What one is it? It is slide ten. Slide ten. Right. Okay. Yep. Um. So, on at dawn. So he's one of the. Um, he was the family liaison officer that was working with the families mm-hmm. um, and also investigating the case. And he appeared to uncover a new lead, but we've never really been told what that lead was. Because shortly after it happened, the roof fell on his head and his career was ended. And was this, dawn the, on the, 12th, was this the, did he have content on his laptop or something that he shouldn't, or his computer or something? Well, on the 12th of September 2002, he was arrested on suspicion of child pornography offences, mm-hmm. allegedly detected by the Child Pornography Monitoring um, American project called Operation Candyman, yep. which was run by the FBI with yep. active CIA assistance. Yeah, I remember that. Another ang- yeah, and another angle of speculation surrounds the subsequent arrest of the chief police investigator on the case, and that's slide 11. DCI Andy Hebb, and Andy Hebb was arrested in 2014 for possession of indecent images of children. Uh-huh. Um, right. And okay. it was an unrelated case, but it, it's, it raises some eyebrows about the investigation process. Um, and as far as uh, Brian Stevens goes, I remember coming that, that coming up on the news at the time, and yeah. it sent the conspiracy hairs on the back of my neck tingling like crazy. Um, I think it sent everybody's hairs in the back of their neck. Yeah, because this was—it wasn't that usual to find cops in these kind of positions of power that were then getting found out with child pornography on their laptops. You know, it's not like yeah. today where it's ten a penny. Absolutely, <laughs> and and it's it's also the 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 child pornography back then. I think it was relatively more difficult to get mm-hmm. a hold of because all of the all of those evil networks were basically just starting up and security wasn't what it is now. Yeah. We didn't have the deep web back then the way that we do now. So it's much more, um, it was in its infancy and, and it's the thing with this is that it felt like he, to me that he'd been set up. Now bear in mind that even back then people like the CIA and the FBI have got back doors into windows. Mm -hmm. And if they wanted to dump a folder full of whatever onto your hard drive, they would have very little problem in doing that. Yeah. And yeah. especially back in 2002 when Windows was even more garbage than it is now. Yeah. Um, and it was also, it was done through this Operation Candyman as well. So anyway, 
we'll, we'll I'm gonna that's just another thread. We're gonna come back to that one in a little while because obviously we should point out the correlation doesn't equal causation. Mm-hmm. And Hebb's inappropriate behavior, though despicable, does not automatically warrant suspicion of foul play in his um, professional capacity in the Soham case. Um, it's very, very easy to pull out lots of conspiracies from things like that. And it's the same with the um, Stevens thing. Mm-hmm. And all, all we have is suspicion. Um, and it, it's there's no evidence. At the end of the day, this is all speculation. This is all just to get people thinking and and I guess to kind of share some of the thoughts that I had back in the day. Um, and it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a platform for that and to also see what mm-hmm. other people think, to see what you think, to yeah. see what the audience mm-hmm. thinks. Um, so in conclusion, while a certain degree of openness to all with a, sorry, while a certain degree of openness to alternate explanations can prove unhealthy in evaluating historical events, the temptation to drift towards sensationalism uncorroborate, and uncorroborated speculation is kind of resisted, but that's not what we're here to do, really. No. We're, we're basically just here to, um, to look, at the, look at the situation as to what happened and look at some of the alternate stuff that was floating around online at the time. Yeah. I mean, what we've got is a watershed moment in British criminal history characterized by a horrific crime, a defendant with a questionable past, the involvement of an international military base, a tainted lead investigator. Um, but we, we still have to keep in sight that what this was all about was those two lovely kids. If you scroll up to slide four, there's a really nice picture of them. Um, and yeah i mean the murder of children is just not yeah it's never okay it's it, it, it's not okay and part of my questioning about these things is that convicting the wrong people and setting the wrong people up is also not okay well uh, and, and it's worse than that because it means that the people that actually did it go unpunished absolutely right and, and can continue yeah. to do the same thing mm-hmm that's absolutely right. Yeah. And I mean, at Huntley, as convicted, acted alone, possessed mm-hmm. a disturbing track record, which devastated an unsuspecting community. The nearby US Air Force base was an innocent bystander um, and became an unwitting location for the discarding the girls' bodies. Subsequent crimes by a detective unrelated to the case, while profoundly disappointing, are not an admission of professional misconduct. These elements signify abhorrent societal failures and human depravity rather than a structured institutional conspiracy. The conspiracy perhaps lies not within the coordinated lies, but within the hidden truths of our societal system, failures, which, if addressed, could preempt the recurrence of such heinous crimes. Um, uh, Yeah, so that's the official side of things it's a bit it's a bit pious right (laughs) and 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 i hate to say it and again people probably won't like me for calling out the truth but you're never going to stop this kind of thing you know no you you just aren't because there are there are people out there who are just monsters and Mm. you know you don't know who they are that's the problem and, well, that's the thing. Yeah, and and yeah. you can't you can't know who they are unless you control everyone's life to to a, a, a the min, a minutia that that just can't be accepted by anyone, you know. So mm. so you just can't 
you can't stop these things happening. They will happen. And they'll continue to happen as long as humans are human. Unfortunately. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. Um, And I think that it's... I I like to try and do justice to the official story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. So as to avoid... Well, not avoid, but to, to fend off a few accusations about being biased and no, stuff well, like that. So, I mean, we don't have any skin in the game here. I mean, you're just looking at this as as dispassionately as you can, because obviously yeah. this kind of situation does tug on the heartstrings, you know. But especially when you've got you know such lovely looking kids, and and yeah, and I mean, then so knowing sad. you know, and then knowing what's happened to them, so. Yeah, it, it does tug on the heartstrings, but you know, if we we'll, we'll, we'll push through and and see, because I'm sure there are loose. There's always loose ends in every case, um, and I'm, and this one I seem to remember there was quite a few loose ends or red herrings that get thrown up. You know, yeah, there's there's a lot of red herrings, but at the same time there are a lot of um, interesting threads. So. With that, let's go down the rabbit hole and look at this from a different perspective. Now, when the police rented, arrested Huntley and Carr in the early hours of Saturday, the 17th of August, um, it was on the suspicion and abduction of the two girls. Um, and they did so in the certain knowledge that absolutely no hard evidence existed incriminating either suspect. The reason for the rapid arrest was very simple. Just two hours earlier, the, the bodies had been found near the perimeter fence at U.S. AF Lake and Heath, and the Prime Minister at 10 Downing Street was terrified of a massive political scandal involving American servicemen based in or transitioning transiting through the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind that this is 2002, we're in between 9-11 and the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. Um, Blair was doing his, I'm going to be Bush's poodle, and yeah, like yeah. be a warmonger. Um, and so Blair was, he was shoulder to shoulder with Bush. I mean, the number of pictures you got, there were at that time with those two guys standing together. It's just, just craziness. Um, so if, if something happened involving American service personnel, particularly brutal murders like that, mm-hmm. the amount of uproar it would have caused in the country I suspect would have made it much more difficult for Blair to offer blind support to the US um, because people would, they would just be up in arms about it. Um, Now, shortly after the arrest, the American and British, the the British and American media started demonizing Huntley and Carr so successfully that public attention was diverted away from Lake and Heath completely and focused instead on the young couple from Soham who had earlier willingly spoken to television crews about their concerns for the well-being of the two missing 10-year-old girls. Now, I went on a hunt uh, twice, and it uh, literally hunting for a couple of hours in each case, and I could not for the life of me find the original interview that Ian Huntley gave to the, the media. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of subsequent ones, but there was one right at the start, which is the one that's being referenced here which is just it, it's it, to, to from what i've been able to find it's not available and if there's anyone out there who knows where there is a copy of it then um let me know because i'd, I'd like to get a hold of that um so we've got the caretaker 
Um, and the being he was a school caretaker, so the girls would have known him. Yeah. As as well as school kids would know a caretaker in some cases. Yeah, I mean they they certainly would have seen him every day and would have been familiar with him. Um, and also Maxine Carr was a former teaching auxiliary in the girls' class. Yeah. Um, millions of viewers around the world watched Ian and Maxine being interviewed by the media, and most were impressed by the openness of their statements and their genuine willingness to help if possible. Experts in nonverbal communication also noticed that Ian and Maxine's involuntary body and eye movements perfectly match what they were saying verbally to the journalists. In other words, both appeared to be telling the truth, both verbally and non-verbally, which is almost impossible for a trained liar to fabricate. You can yeah. you can be a very good liar and you can have someone that's an expert in body language look at you and, and tell you straight away that you're talking out of your bum. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Now, it is critical to note that they, they, they just initially in the interviews at the very start, they just seemed like two normal people. Um, but that reality later on started being challenged by the police, psychiatrists. There was a, a concerted effort to demonize them. Um, and that's gone on since because everything that you could find online about the case now, certainly video-wise, it's all, it's all, it's 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 all makes the assumption of their guilt, which mm -hmm. is okay. They've been convicted, fair enough. Um, but here's some questions for you: If Huntley and Carr had been involved at all with the abduction and murder. Why would they then have been stupid enough to run the gauntlet of about 10,000 American servicemen en route and dump the two small bodies in a location clearly visible from Lake and Heath control tower, taxi track, taxi track, and main runway? Let's pop up that map of Lake and Heath again. Mm -hmm. Now, a serviceman with detailed knowledge of activities and procedures inside the base might get away with it unseen, but not a couple of civilians from Soham. <laughs> um, the, uh, the perimeter would be an ideal dumping ground for American servicemen eager to return back to the safe territory of, of USF La USAF Lakenheath before either entering their barracks on the base or catching a shuttle bus to um, US, because uh, there's another one called Mildenhall mm -hmm. that's not yeah. that far away from Lakenheath. Yep. So this, this, and this is what people need to bear in mind, is that this whole area is crawling with US service personnel, either off-duty guys outside of the base base is full of um personnel um then we get into some of the strange things that the police did um and in an attempt to demonize huntley still further police link leaked um the information that he'd been arrested for rape a number of years earlier um which actually when you look into it turns out it was um he was a a teenager at the time mm -hmm. and he'd had consensual sex with his girlfriend but the girlfriend was 15 so it was statutory rape um and he was what age uh he he was uh he was still a teenager i'm not sure exactly right, he was probably okay. 18 or 19. so he had a statutory um, defense yeah, in he, effect yeah mm -hmm. but he and he wasn't yeah. charged either and his former girlfriend when when this was made it she was 21 uh, yeah. confirmed it was a mutual crush yeah 
um, with enthusiastic sexual consent on both sides. Yeah. Um, so for a while at least, police and media have managed to deflect attention away from the two massive bases at Lake and Heath and Mildenhall. The political minefield lurking, lurking just below the surface if the British public would ever find out that there are very large numbers of children abused, raped, and sometimes murdered by American servicemen on overseas duty. Um, so let's have a look a bit more at the American connection. Now, if you pop up yeah. slides 12, yep. there's three savory characters. We're not going to, or unsavory characters, rather. We're not going to go into a massive amount of detail of them. Um, but they are, that was the 1995 Okinawa incident, which was absolutely horrific. I'm not, I don't want to go into too many details about the actual incident because of um, the YouTube channel and stuff. But mm -hmm. if people are interested, look it up. Um, and it was an absolutely brutal rape of, um, uh, I think it was Japanese, Japanese kids or something like that. It was horrible um, by these three monsters and there was an incident in scotland um near the noon um from the faz lane base in which a an american serviceman had been caught with um some of the local sheep Oh dear! Yeah, and I guess the farmer the farmer caught him actually in the act um, after because he was keeping an eye on his sheep because after the guy had finished his liaison, he would leave the sheep on its back and of course sheep can't get up because of their stupid shape. Um, so if he left it on its back, its lungs would fill up with fluid and the sheep poor sheep would asphyxiate itself. Which is a horrible. I mean, that's, mm. that's just evil. I mean, yeah. Who? Just, well, uh, what the hell is wrong with this species of ours? Oh yes. my god! He was similar to these guys as well in appearance and color. Um. So, uh, very early in the investigation, the police declared that they'd been they'd be interviewing seven hundred known sex offenders of British nationality. But there was no mention of interviewing the 10,000-plus U.S. servicemen based in close proximity to Sarum Village or determining which other American servicemen had transited through the two bases on, on, and on which flies uh -huh. since Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman first disappeared. The simple fact that Holly and Jessica's bodies were found within yards of uh, Lake and Heath's perimeter fence, which in turn provides access to the American barracks, and it should have had... I mean, the police... They should have been knocking on Lake and Heath's door immediately, asking yeah. for any kind of CCTV footage or interviewing perimeter yeah. guards uh -huh. or interviewing control tower personnel. Um, but I think that the fact that they didn't possibly, I, I would imagine that there are sovereignty issues with an American base because the American base is probably considered U.S., I think it, I, I think it is considered U.S. territory, but yeah, you know so, there obviously needs to be a degree of um... new Kofi subscription yeah, I mean, from Mark. You would, you would Thank think you, that, Mark. That, that... Sorry, we got a new subscription there, so the, oh, si the siren goes. You don't hear it because um, it would cause an echo, but the siren went off, and we have a new Kofi subscription from Mark. Thank you very much, Mark. We appreciate it. 
Excellent. That's always nice to hear. Um, so you, um, British police would have no jurisdiction on a U.S. Air Force base. However, there are American mm. military police. Yeah. yeah. And one would think that there would potentially be some kind of liaison between them saying, well, Look, this has happened. Yeah. There should be a degree of cooperation. Yeah. Um, now, let's cover a few examples of um, some, just just to prove that there's a bit of history for this, that I'm not just making this stuff up about American service personnel. Mm -hmm. And for the record, I have a lot of respect for people who serve in the military, and I'm not trying to tar all of them with the brush by saying that they're all monsters, um, but monsters lurk among us everywhere. Well, uh, it's like we said earlier, and the, the thing is, Ed, every walk of life is a microcosm of society. So you've always got good people, which hopefully outnumber the bad people, right? But then like you've always got you've always got a bad element, a bad amount, and you know they will be there somewhere. Yeah, and unfortunately, most of them seem to be in positions of power. At least they are in twenty twenty three. So psychopath and sociopath has um, has good traits for getting into positions of power. Yeah, CEOs as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't I couldn't find a picture of him. Um, but we've got Staff Sergeant Frank Rongi, who on the 24th of August 2000 pleaded guilty to um, uh, sodomizing and killing a an 11-year-old Kosovar girl um, in January of that year. Mm -hmm. um, a member of his platoon testified that Sergeant Rongi disdainfully claimed it's easy to get away with this shit in a third world country. Um, the mm -hmm. shit Rongi referred to Described here by U.S. Army pathologist for Europe. All right, I'm not going to go into that bit. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's just too much detail. Yeah. Suffice it to say, well, um, her right jaw was fractured, practically bisected. Oh, um, there was the usual evidence um, following a rape yep. um, in, in her various body cavities. Um, and there was trauma to her neck muscles, the trachea and carotid artery, and in fact, there was evidence of blunt trauma um, as the parent child was apparently beaten, choked, and forced to kneel. Um, now, it would, it's impossible to list here all the all the all these kinds of attacks, and I don't want to go into it in too much detail because it's just depressing yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Um, but they do happen. And, I mean, we've got Abu Ghraib and stuff like that. Um, there's also... Uh, in 1955, an American soldier was sentenced to death for the murder of a six-year-old in, in uh, Okinawa. Uh -huh. um, although that sentence was late, later commuted to life imprisonment. During 1966, a U.S. soldier confessed to strangling a young waitress. In 1972, U.S. soldiers were sentenced to life imprisonment for strangling local women. In 1975, a U.S. soldier was sent to prison for raping two junior high school students. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's uh, then Okinawa, which is um, it's been a, a, the, there's been a lot of protests in Okinawa by the residents to try and get rid of the massive U.S. base there. There are 58 U.S. bases in Okinawa, I think. Is it 58? I didn't <laughs> even know that. Wow. It is something yeah. ridiculous. 
Um, so the, the the whole island is basically just one yeah, big US base. Yeah, basically the the whole island is effectively a US base, and the Japanese have been protesting quite ferociously um, against the, the continued US occupation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean the the Okinawa incident in 1995 was again it was brutal. It was the hammering death of two two which uh, two young women. Mm-hmm. Um, two children were killed by a drunken soldier, and three U.S. soldiers brutally raped a young schoolgirl. In January 2000, a U.S. seaman was sentenced to for, sentenced for sexually assaulting a 16-year-old Japanese girl. Um, and that's the ones that I've just reeled off are just part of the list. So there yeah. is a history of this. Yeah. Um, the last point to consider before returning back to the plight of Ian Huntley and Maxine Carr is the strange fate of four wives at Fort Bragg in North Carolina which is the former um, home base of Staff Sergeant Rongi, mm-hmm. um, who were mentioned before. All, for, all four wives were allegedly killed by their sergeant husbands when they returned from active duty in Afghanistan during the same week that Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman went missing. Um, and I've not been able to find out for certain, but there are rumors that all of those um, soldiers were actually taking an anti-malarial drug. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but there's there's basically two types of malaria drug, and one of them has serious um, mental side effects and can actually make people go psychotic. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are no direct flights out of Afghanistan to the USA, meaning that all American servicemen, including those who've been... Uh, affected by PTSD mm-hmm. or are under the influence of other um, psychotropic meds or whatever, um, they have to change aircraft in either Germany or in the, the UK. Yep. Um, and it's normally at um, uh, USAF Mildenhall. Yep. Um, so one has to wonder whether there's a connection there. And it, it's... Um, <sighs> As I said, it's all speculation. If you pop up slide eight, mm-hmm. there's some footage from where the bodies were discovered, and that, that actually gives you a really good idea of just how close we're talking to the perimeter fence. Bloody hell, yeah. Um, and as you can see around the inside of the perimeter fence, you've got what appears to be a path, which is most likely for sentries. Or, yeah. um, So... The um, Huntley and Carr were arrested on suspicion of abduction and murder. Um, the police knew they didn't have any evidence that actually incriminated um, both su- subjects. Um, so what happened? Why was that all done so quickly? In I mean, it was almost like they went looking for someone and someone that was convenient and someone had a bit of a past and he happened to be going out with someone else who was connected to the school and they decided to chuck both of those two to the wolves in order to save a a, a scandal what would have been a gigantic scandal i mean you 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 have to understand how big a story this was yeah and if it if it had been been released at the time what's something was there something about phone hacking in this story, no? Um, that rings some bells, but I, I'm not sure if it's this one or another one. Yeah. Um, 
don't think files might cover it because um, I'm I'm basically I've I pulled um, a couple of the articles from codshit.com and uh-huh. if you go if you go there and you type in soem you'll see a whole bunch of stuff that uh-huh. I found um, quite a few because Joe Vars was actually really active on this case for whatever reason. Okay, so what um, I've got here is um, the notorious murder case of two 10-year-old schoolgirls in Soham, Cambridgeshire. The role played by the uh, mobile phone cell location data in casting suspicion on the murder of Ian Huntley and of breaking the false alibi given to him by his former girlfriend, Maxime Carr, has been widely reported. Maxine Carr's mobile phone was shown to have been calling from Grimsby when she claimed to have been with Ian Huntley and so on on the night Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman went missing. Did you have that? No, uh, no I don't think so. We may come across it um, because we've got, I've got another couple of pages. What are the girls called? Um, Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman. Yeah, so... Jessica's prepaid Vodafone Nokia mobile phone was switched off or had run out of battery power at quarter to seven on the Sunday when the girl disappeared. Good grief. She had a phone in 2002. I don't know if I had yeah, a phone I mean, in 2002. Yeah, no, they were, they, that, that was when um, it was all still yeah. um, little Nokia 3310s. And yeah, yeah. Those but sorts you, of things. I, your kids didn't normally have phones in 2000. Um um, I think it was becoming more popular with yeah. parents that that just worried about their kids. I mean, the kids weren't spending the same amount of time on their phones that they do now. Yeah. Back then, it was it was much more for mum and dad to be able to get get hold of them if they needed them, and for them to contact friends and stuff. Yeah. So it's not so um, much phone hacking as just phone records that they were digging through, and one of these things was uh, a ref- refutation of his alibi. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it, where are we at? Let me just find my notes. Um, so there's very. It, it seems like a pretty hasty cover up. Mm-hmm. There's aspects of it which um, it, it was almost like someone somewhere in a position of stratospheric political power wanted Huntley and Carr convicted of murder, jailed for life, and the case closed forever really quickly. Oh, oh hold um, on. Something's coming in. What is it? Oh, oh, Madeline. Madeline who? Madeline? Oh, no, no, I've lost it. I can't. I've lost it. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's, there's loads of these stories. It's like kids go missing all the time. It's one of the reasons that I kind of wanted to cover this um because it kind of shows people just how far back this type of thing goes yeah um and it's whoever the whoever it was that wanted this thing closed down um they demonstrated a very obvious ability to manipulate three different police forces the metropolitan police the home office in london and the american fbi yeah. Um, and you just have to ask yourself who is capable of wielding that kind of power. Most likely Deep State or whoever was. Or, or, because we know, or it was Huntley and Carl that did it. Or, well, not Carr. Carr didn't do it. She just provided the alibi, didn't she? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's 
I'm I'm not contradicting that. I'm just saying that yeah. there are there is there are some inconsistencies here, and those inconsistencies, when you when you weave them together into a little bit of a narrative, they start to suggest something else. Um, so then we have a few weeks after the investigation, um, or sorry, a few weeks into the investigation, we have this issue of Brian Stevens, who supposedly had seemed to uncover a new lead and then boom his career is over and he's been um he's out of the force he's been arrested on child porn yeah reputation in tatters um and his actual arrest was manipulated by the officials at the home office using um metropolitan police anti-pornography unit as no, known as operation or so you have operation Candyman in the yeah. in the u.s yeah, operation or yeah. yeah in the uk it's not like the british government would take any interest in what's happening in the world of social media or 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 you know interfere in um corporations as they go about their business is it <laughs> let's not go there yeah okay <laughs> let's not <laughs> Especially today, oh my God, we could we could just disappear oh, down another yeah, rabbit we would, hole. We would be down another rabbit hole. Would not be coming back. Would would not be coming back up for air. Yeah. So what we've got, and you got to think about this. We've got one of the lowest ranking officers and one of the smallest British county police forces mm -hmm. um, being silenced and discredited by the FBI. CIA, the Home Office, and the Metropolitan Police. Yeah. But the, the charges didn't stick, and they're finally dropped by the, the CPS on the 21st of August 2003. So the poor bastard had to go through. So, how did the charges not stick? Um, I, I'm not sure. They, they were basically, they just, the CPS dropped the, dropped the prosecution. Um, after, long after the Huntley and car thing was wound up obviously yeah pretty yeah. much um but then <laughs> on the 12th of september 2003 west midlands police arrested him again um and today he stands accused of conspiring to pervert the course of justice um Who? but as always Stevens? yeah but as always the devil lies in the detail so in uh -huh. order to understand the level of deception surrounding this crime and its international implications it's necessary to take a very long trip down memory lane and follow the step of the fatally flawed investigation in a, an attempt to sort of try and cut through some of the government and media lies and stuff like that um now shortly after huntley and Carr were arrested the media swung into action and it was that's one of the things that i found very suspicious at the time that it was almost this um, innocent until, until proven, uh, guilty until proven innocent kind of thing that we're seeing now. Um, and the, the, the attention was just focused on them. It was the same as um, Osama bin Laden being announced as the perpetrator of 9-11, practically whilst the, the buildings were still standing. Yep. Um, and... You just, it, it seems to me, and it, it seemed then, and it still seems like it was some sort of attempt to kind of distract attention away from Lake and Heath. 
that the, the, the media focus was always on Stoham and Huntley and Carr. And when you actually look at the map, it could have been just as easily called the Lake and Heath murders because it was actually closer to Lake and Heath than it was to Stoham. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the two, Huntley and Carr, they, they spoke to reporters the... to start with. Which is which is now, people now look back on it and say, "Oh God, they they they're two brutal, cold-hearted killers because they were just having yeah. a normal conversation with the journalists." Yeah, um, there's a couple of things I'd I'd like to ask, if I may. Sure. Um, I'm assuming that the kids weren't killed and burned at the scene of where they were discovered. No, I've never had that impression. I think it, it, it's... But it's not explicit? Then, no. 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 I mean, it, it's not not really known because of the state that the bodies were in when they were found. Yeah. I, I think it must have been really difficult to actually ascertain. I mean, you could, you could figure out that um, they'd been strangled and raped, but actually having enough... Um, information to be able to determine a kind of time and place of death is is more difficult but you would think that it wouldn't have happened right outside that's what i was thinking if you're gonna set people on fire you wouldn't be doing it on the perimeter of a nuclear uh what if a, a u.s air force base that holds nuclear weapons would you could you think they might be a little bit touchy about that Absolutely, um, and I mean it's it's just it, which, which, it's about it's, which, which in some respects tends to take away from the would the U.S. servicemen have done it because again they're not going to set them on fire within sight of their own control tower, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean it's that that's absolutely right, but at the same time. If it was someone on the base, then they would potentially know the procedures and they would know when sentries would be uh, there and all that kind of thing. Sorry, Andrew's made a valid point, right? And and yeah, imagine, imagine bleach being involved in a bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. I mean, I mean, have you seen the amount of bleach my wife uses? Bloody hell, you'd think she was murdering three people a week. <laughs> oh, it's that just... Oh, dear. Three people a week. Um, Maybe she so <laughs> it, it, It's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's issues. The, the other thing I find interesting is that there was no mention of interviewing any of the US service personnel yeah, um, yeah. Who, what service personnel might have transited through? The bases were basically just completely off limits, and all of the focus was on Huntley and Carr. Um, and I've always just found that suspicious because when you when you tie it together with how desperate was Blair was to support Bush, the implications of a scandal involving U.S. military personnel. Um, the utter evil that Tony Blair represents, um, in terms of his, yeah, just we've got 
people like John Smith, we have people like Robin Cook, we have people like David Kelly, yeah, all of whom were somehow in the way, and all of whom ended up not being in the way after dying suddenly. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that's that's it. Um. As far as the presentation goes, um. I don't know if there's questions or if people have got comments, things I got wrong, um, anything like that. But or if maybe you've got questions. Um, but yeah, the floor is the floor is open. Uh, is there anything in chat? Um just looking, anybody in the chat get anything? Wasn't well, um forensics of the bathroom of Huntley's house released during the trial. Remember Bleach being involved? And then Andrew says, surely not on the carpet. Who? Who has carpet in the bathroom? And if you do, can I just say that you've made an error? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's a fascinating rabbit hole. I mean, the uh, just the characters involved, mm-hmm. the, the some of the media shenanigans, I find it really suspicious. I mean, that thing about Stevens was absolutely one of the things that originally um, got me wondering about alternate explanations for what happened because it just seemed so he went it's it's almost he went from zero to hero yeah and there's there's all of this yeah and then he's he's off the case there's all of this um material against him supposedly and then 11 months later the whole thing is just kind of dropped and it's not I didn't. I don't even think it made front page news. Um, yeah, it's a bit suspicious. That it. It really is. I mean, it's. It's just like I said. There, there's just there's aspects of this case that have just never, so never it, completely made sense to me. Expresso Mechanic says I don't remember the bodies being burned. But I'll bow uh, to your superior researching there. Let me take a look. I'm pretty sure they were. Um, but I might be wrong. It's a long time ago. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the official thing I got from, um, from the research is that they were burnt. Um, but that might be wrong. I didn't. I mean, I, I I didn't source check absolutely everything, so um, I didn't have time. So, so um, why did they think that? What was the, what was the reason for thinking that he shouldn't have been working in a school because of his criminal records check if they'd done one properly? Um. Well, the thing is that all of this stuff came out afterwards as well. It was like the um, the sexual, uh, the well, rape allegation right. against so him when he the, was a teenager. That won't that won't wash because that one, that one wasn't was he was never charged, so it wouldn't go down. That wouldn't be on a CRB check. No, it come up. and it's the way that he was demonised after he was arrested by the media, not arrested by the media, but he was demonised by the media after he was arrested by the police. Yeah. Um, it's I I really struggle to to think how someone like that. I mean, 
all of the documentaries and stuff point at um his character and how he's really devious and a good liar yeah. and he had he strung Maxine Carr along and manipulated her into helping him and he he somehow uh, I think one of the one of the theories was that he'd um picked the girls up after the barbecue and they recognized him and he'd offered them a lift and driven them off to whatever um which is I mean it's plausible the the official story has been um it's been run through a lot and there's a lot of um evidence you could say yeah. Although a lot of it is just character analysis and interviews and um, mistakes that You'll Huntley see. and Carr, yeah and, yeah, and mistakes that Huntley and Carr made in interviews and mobile phone data. I think it was one of the, I seem to recall it being one of the first times. That, yeah, well, um, that, that's what I was reading out earlier about, you know, the yeah. mobile phone data was indicating that she was in Grimsby when she said she was in Sohn. But um, I, I'm, a, I mean, from my experience, I get more suspicious if people don't make mistakes in interviews. Well, you would think so because people, I mean, especially if you're being interviewed by the police, you're, yeah, you're just you're sitting in a very uncomfortable environment. You've just been you've just been brought through a police station, so you've you've just seen God knows what, um, and it's very you're you're very conscious of the seriousness. And I'd be I'd be stammering like an idiot. I I mean it's inevitable that you'd make mistakes. Yeah. You probably contradict yourself. So I mean, it's one of the, the 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 reasons I thought it would be an interesting topic to cover was your background as a policeman and and to see what what your what your gut instincts were saying about some of the some of the questions that I've raised about. I mean, why the hell would you dump two two bodies of two? <sighs> Little kids that you've just murdered next to a bloody US Air Force base. I mean, yeah. Well, to me, to me, that's that's like misdirection. Well, in in what sense? Someone, someone has put them there because it throws it throws the blame towards the US rather than towards the locals. Okay. So, so you think that that was maybe something that Huntley was potentially thinking when he did that? Oh, if Huntley did it, yeah, possibly because if you were right, so if you were transiting through the base, you probably find that they didn't really, they weren't really allowed out. So you could probably take that element out of the the equation. The people that are based there, yeah, they do, they do go in and out on a daily basis, but they're not, they're not going to be. Generally, I would th say they wouldn't be stupid enough to leave the body so close to where they live. You know, that's also a fair point. You know, so I, I think it, it reeks to me of someone putting them there deliberately to misdirect the police towards looking at the base, which would be but a then complete. The police didn't look at uh, well, the police didn't look at the base because they probably got shut down by Tony and mm -hmm. the government. You know. Um, because, as you know, at that time, there, it was a very sensitive situation, and the Americans had had a bloody nose, you know, not less than a mm -hmm. year ago, I think. So they were they were probably a bit sensitive to being accused of things. But yeah, absolutely. I, I, that that one's 
Yeah, the the Maxine Carr covering for him, I can understand that because people do that um, when, mm-hmm. they, when they think they're in love and whatever. Um, why did he need cover? Where was he? Was he just on his own? Or see, see, this is the thing, because if you're on your own, you don't have an alibi, right? Okay, mm-hmm. and the thing is, he'd actually have been better. He'd have been better saying he was on his own. Than trying to get someone to to do a an alibi for him because when that gets found out, it just makes you seem more guilty. But again, that's just circumstantial evidence. That's not hard evidence. So I don't know. I I mean I don't know that much about the case. And I, I mean I'd be looking to see if was there any DNA or anything. Was there fingerprints? Was there any was there any material found in his house? Was there, how did they get how did the bodies get to that location? Whose car was it were they taken in? You know, Absolutely. I mean, so there's a lot there's a lot of questions that I mean it's there's I, I a whole bunch, like I said, there's there's an episode of True Crime that covered uh-huh. this. Um and there's there's multiple documentaries. There's also yeah. a lot of um very sensational or sensationalist media coverage. Yeah. Um, one of the big questions that sensational I media had, coverage, surely not. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, one of the questions that I was had, and this this applies whether it was um, Huntley or whether it was some someone else. Let's say, mm-hmm. why would why would one leave the bodies where they could be relatively easily discovered and not bury them in a deep hole somewhere? Well, I think you're back um, to either. Either they were disturbed while they were dumping them off, or two, they were there. Pardon me, they were there deliberately to misdirect. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, it's a completely fascinating case. Yeah. I mean, obviously the the, the the jury's out, and and there've been people convicted of so, the crime, and we can't forget that. Yeah, but it, there are still some interesting questions. So, see this middle one. I wish my evil brother Huntley was dead. Why would? Why did his brother think he was evil? Was it just because um, of what had happened, or did he have something else? I, I, I don't know. I, it, it's it's the same as people saying they wish they'd turned him in. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was very much trial by media. It really was. Um, and But then... When you look back on it from 2023 and you look at how blatant the media has been yeah. over the last three years. And I mean, the media is always, there have always been issues with them, but they've, I feel like their their true colors have been revealed and, and the, the kind of, yeah. And I, I feel like that's the same with, with the government as well in a lot yeah. of ways, that there's there's so much... Me personally, has changed over the last three years in terms of how mm-hmm. how I view authority, and I mean my trust levels have been have always been pretty low, um, but now they're they're kind of floating around near the earth core kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I know. What you um, mean. So yeah, that was that was the rabbit hole. Um, the only thing we have to figure out is what we're going to do next time. Hmm, interesting. What shall we do next time? Well, we have, uh, if there's any listeners that have got any suggestions, we do have a list. We could um, 
let's see, we've got things like the Roanoke, we have the Malaysia, Malaysian Airlines disaster, we have um, John Lennon, we have Sasquatch Yeti, that sort of thing. We've got uh, Tartaria and the mud mm -hmm. floods. Um, we have the Schumann Resonance. I think, why didn't we pick something? Because this one was real, real lifey, sort of murdery type. Yeah, pick thing. something a bit more esoteric. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, I'd I'd be quite interested in looking into the whole Tartaria thing if you're interested in that. Because yeah, let's have a look at that. Let's get down the Tartaria I'm, route. Yeah, let's do that because I'm and orphan trains and things like and world fails. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and some of the buildings and some of the claims that um, the, the buildings were already there and yeah, and just got rid of loads of people yeah. and massacres and stuff. It's it's a fascinating one, and I'm I'm super sceptical about it. Yeah, but there's good pictures about it as well. So yeah. And and I absolutely. I, I what I would encourage people to do actually is um, while you're wandering about, particularly in the older sections of your town or village or city, have a look at some of the what appear to be very old buildings, and see if they've got any underground windows, and see if the doors are too high for the street, i.e., they've all got steps up to the doors. So just have a look and see what you think, because you'll you, you'll be surprised at how many houses and buildings seem to have windows that are half buried, you know? And you think, why would one build a house like that? <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And there's also, but then there, there, there is also um, friend of mine who may well be listening to this although i didn't send him the link but i'll send it to him after the show um but he's he, he translates um latin and he, he speaks yeah. really good latin so he that's going to be useful uh, yeah well yeah i mean but he he translates yeah. um, king john's because he's he's retired now so it's, yeah. it's something that he kind of does for fun um and he translates king king john's letters from <laughs> Good oh God. Christ, he's going to kill me because I can't even remember what year it is. But we're talking five hundred, however many years ago, long time ago, and he, there's no mention of anything like Tartaria, or there's no missives being brought to the king describing mm -hmm. these things, and it's 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 a lot of history that they would have to yeah. Somehow I mean, you, have you have you heard about the like the missing? Well, you know, like the Dark Ages, and mm -hmm. you know, there are there is a school of thought, and the, the Dark Ages are called the Dark Ages because they actually never happened, and that we just mm -hmm. have about nine hundred years of history that we've kind of made up that just never actually happened. But again, that's another rabbit hole, and for the future, perhaps, yeah. Wet people's appetites, but it's yeah. going to be a really interesting one. And hopefully, I should. I've got no. I don't have another birthday now for another year, so I'll I'll, I'll have time to, oh, to delve you, into this one. You don't have an official one and an unofficial one. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, you kind of did I'm, actually, because you kind of had the you kind of had the birthday the week before with us, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. 
Uh, I had my chasing December birthday and my real birthday. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ignoring you at all, Shalini. I'm just choosing to speak to Ed at this point in time. Um, so <laughs> I think we've pretty much decided that we'll be doing Tartaria on the next one. Um, uh, it's not in the South Pole. Um, so there's a there's a heads up for you, um, and we will maybe get to the Freemasons at some point. The Knights Templar, is that, perhaps. Is, 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 is Shalini ah, wanting to... Yeah, Shalini's she desperate to, to get the Freemasons done, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, if we do, I'll tell you what, because trying to figure out what bloody rabbit holes we do is, is difficult enough, but we can mm-hmm. do Freemasons after Tartaria. Yeah, okay. Right, we'll, um, we'll, we'll lock the next two in, so you'll get Freemasons in a month. How does that sound? It's just good to switch between them, because... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Freemasons can be quite violent as well. Yeah, and I mean, the Freemasons one, I'm not necessarily sure I can keep it to an hour. (laughs) Well, yeah, we might have to, we might have to start early or finish late for that one. Yeah. (laughs) Right, so, well, thank you very much, Ed. It's been uh, very illuminating. Thank you indeed. Thank you, John. And I hope you people out there have um, had fun and been educated suitably. Um, so with that, good night. And remember, buddy, it's been great for you. Cause I don't give a fuck what you say. Yeah, I'ma do shit my way. So you can go kick rocks. I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make. Yo, I got a lot of shit to say, so I'ma do this every day. I'll be writing things until I'm fucking buried in my grave. Six feet. But my body won't decay Cause my messages are timeless So they put them on display Oh yeah, I rap with a certainty I have a sense of urgency A message for eternity For everyone internally I had some people burning me But now they fucking learn to see I ain't the one to fuck with Now they looking nervously And I don't really care What you think of me respectfully You can kick rocks If you think you're fucking better See, I will outwork you Turn you to an enemy Hurt you so bad That you're gonna need some therapy I got the motherfucking recipe I've been cooking up hits I'ma leave a legacy my way so you can go kick rocks i'ma stack bricks up build what i want to make cause i don't give a fuck what you say yeah i'ma do shit my way so you can go kick rocks i'ma stack bricks up build what i want to make yeah i'ma do it my way Kick rocks, I'm a stack breaks up, build what I want to make.